Well, good morning. Happy Easter. How you guys doing? Y'all look good. Most of y'all look really, really good. So um, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. If this is your first time, we're honored that you're here. If you're joining us online at our online campus, whether you're uh, here in the States or literally watching from around the world, thank you so much for tuning in. This is a special day because it is Easter. This is the day in which Jesus Christ rose from the dead and gives us hope and gives us peace. And I'm so glad you're with us. We're starting a new series. I don't know if you know what it's called, if some of the context clues have actually showed up, but it's called, anybody want to guess? Bold, exactly right. In fact, it's something that our leadership team, our volunteers, our staff have been working on for months now. And I'm so glad that we're able to be here and kick it off. And it's a special day because we're kicking it off. It's a special day we're kicking off on Easter because, man, what hope and what peace that we get. And one of the the cool things that I love this, we're going to kick off bold by looking today at a passage of Scripture in which we got our name One Church. And some of you, uh, you may have been here for a long time and you may have not have heard this story. In fact, I don't think almost any of you have. Um, and uh, so glad you're here today because some of you are like, well, One Church, what does that mean? And, and did, did you do it because of Exit 1? And no, we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture from John chapter 17. So if you have your Bibles, you wouldn't start finding John chapter 17. Or if you have version, you can actually click on the live events and you can follow along with notes and stuff like that as well. Well, you see, back in January of 2007 is when we launched. When we launched, you know, here's the thing. There was just 35 people meeting every Wednesday at a coffee house downtown. And uh, we didn't have a name. Uh, we didn't really have a staff. Uh, we really didn't know what worship would look like here. Uh, we didn't know a lot of things, but we knew two things. First, we knew we wanted to be at the exit one area. And let me give you some statistics of why we want to be at exit one area, because this is some of the statistics that we find in Clarksville, Tennessee. Here we go. Um, Clarksville, Tennessee is the fifth fastest growing city in America. That's kind of crazy. It's the fifth fastest growing city in the United States. Here's another statistic. That um, the population, let me show you this, the population is going to increase by 30%. Uh, since 2000. That's what's happened. It's increased by 30%. And not just that, it's going to continue to increase. In fact, it's going to double by the year 2025, and it's going to swell to 227,300 people. And get this, every year, 5,000 families, every year, 5,000 families relocate to the Clarksville area. That's kind of crazy. And uh, here's the thing. I grew up here in Clarksville, so I remember when, like, Northeast was first built, like when the cooling of the crust of the earth, right? I remember when there was only cornfields out here. And if I'd have known now what I knew then, I would have bought up every cornfield. Uh, and uh, I wouldn't be here. I'd be in Jamaica, man. So um, I'm just playing. Um, but I'm just telling you, it is just, it's just huge. I mean, Exit 1 is just growing, growing, growing. Here's a, so that we, wanted, we knew we wanted to be at Exit 1 because it was a growing area and there weren't that many churches here at the time. Um, there weren't that many. I remember um, before we launched, before we had a name, I remember calling every one of the pastors and every one of the churches here at the Exit 1 area. And there wasn't many. There was maybe maybe like five, six. And I called every one of them. And I'm going to let you know what they said uh, as I get a little, little bit later in the message. So we knew we wanted to be at the Exit 1 area, and we also knew this. We knew that Clarksville didn't need another church. Because many of you, you actually drove by church buildings in order to be able to come to a church that meets at the school. And there are a lot of fantastic churches here in Clarksville. 
lot of fantastic churches, but we knew that Clarksville didn't need another church for the people who already knew all of the, the songs, who knew all of the stories of the Bible, who knew exactly where to find everything in the Bible. We knew that Clarksville didn't need a church for church people. We wanted to create, we wanted to start a church for people who did not go to church. So back in 2007, that's exactly what we did. We, we started at the movie theater, and uh, that was cool. We started with one, uh, uh, one service, and then we went to two, and that was a little bit difficult because they started showing movies at like 11 o'clock, and if I was a little long-winded, you would actually see a movie in the message. It was amazing. Some of the best sermons ever, just saying. So anyway, but uh, we, that's what we did. We wanted to start a church for people who didn't go to church. And the, what kind of launched this out here was this statistic. 86% of people in 2007 did not go to church anywhere. Now let me kind of show you how that breaks down. 86%. That was 88,971 people who did not go to church. And that, this is what launched us. This is, this is what kind of was the burr in our saddle because we wanted to not just reach the 14%. We wanted to reach the 86% who did not know Jesus Christ. Now, let's fast forward and let me kind of tell you where those statistics, those statistics are today. Because in 2015, this is a little bit different. 88% of people now here in the Clarksville, Montgomery County area, do not go to church. And that equates 125,000 and some change people. Every one of these numbers is a name. And every one of these names is a soul. And every one of these souls are going to live somewhere. So we wanted to start a church for people who didn't come to church. Now, let me give you some statistics, but let me ask you this. Before we go on, I mean, we've seen, and they'll put this up in just a sec. We've seen over 7,000 people come through the doors. We've seen 900 people come to know Jesus Christ. 400 people get baptized. In fact, how about the two students getting baptized today? How awesome was that, right? It's awesome. We've seen some tremendous growth. But go back to that last slide if you would. Are we making headway? I mean, yeah, we've seen 400 people come to know, come, get baptized and over 900 come to know Jesus Christ. But what's happening in this area is it's growing so quickly, not just X1, but Clarksville. It's growing so quickly and more people are coming in that even with all of these people coming to know Jesus Christ, we still are behind the curve. It's not 86% anymore, it's 88%. So one of the things that we've been processing through is how can we as a church reach 88% of people? Because here's what I believe. I believe that, again, everybody is going to go somewhere for eternity. And I believe that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, that when you die and every one of us dies, and we don't like talking about that, that you will not be with God. And the only way we can be with God is because we serve a God who isn't in the tomb, but he is risen. And we believe that the church should be for everyone. So one of the things that we are starting to push toward is towards bold. How can we become more bold so that we can stop losing ground, not just as our church, but the church all over Clarksville because we believe that the local church should be the way for people to come and meet God. But many times that's not the way it is. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 17 and let's dig in. 
let's you and I dig in to a scripture that we're, where we got our name. Now, let me give you some context. When you get to John chapter 17, you're at the end of the book of John. And in fact, uh, this is kind of, this is Thursday right before Jesus is crucified. In fact, it's probably about midnight. Um, we have about an hour's time before Judas one of his best friends come and betrays him and brings about 600 people and they arrest Jesus and he's going to go before six trials and by 9 o'clock that, that Friday morning, he is going to be hanging on a cross. So let me tell you, we know exactly what day this is. This is April the 2nd, 33 AD, Thursday. So this is about midnight and Jesus is in the garden and he's praying. And he's praying for his friends. He's praying for his disciples, the 12, really 11 around him, because Judas, he's gone to do his dirty work. And let's see, let's discover what Jesus prayed the night before he was murdered. Here is what the Bible says. I am praying, Jesus says, not only for these disciples. In fact, what's happening is this. Jesus, he's huddled around. And they're in this olive grove called the Garden of Gethsemane or the Garden of the Olive Press. And he is praying for his friends. But he's not just praying for his friends. He goes on and he prays for his friends, but he prays for someone else. Let's get it. It says this, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who, what? Who will ever believe in me through their message. In other words, Jesus says, I'm not just praying for these 11 people around me. I'm not just praying for the people in the room. But I know that these guys in the room, these guys in the garden, they're going to be, they're taking notes. And Matthew, he is taking notes, and he's going to later write a book about Jesus. And he's going to call it what? Matthew, very good, right? And Peter, he's taking notes. And Peter's going to share his notes with a young guy by the name of John Mark. And Mark is going to write a book in the Bible about Jesus, and he's going to call it Mark. Very good, very good. You see, and he's saying, what Jesus is saying is, these people, they're going to have influence. And they're going to influence the next generation, who's going to influence the next generation, who's going to influence the next generation, and who's going to eventually show up and it's going to look like you. Did you know that the night before Jesus died, you were on his mind? That he literally prayed for you because you and I are all the ones in the who will ever believe in me. That he prayed for us. He prayed for all the churches. And what's interesting, not only did he just praise for us, I think that's cool, but specifically what he prays for us. Let's keep on going. Verse 20 and 21. I'm praying for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray, and here it is, that they will all be what? That's where we got our name. That they will all be one. And let me tell you, I'm not talking about they will all be. This is, this is not like a one like Obi-Wan, like use the false. It's not like that. All right? This is that they will all be one, that they'll all have one direction, one goal, one purpose that they will all be unified, that they will have oneness in focus, that they will have oneness in their very spirit. And, and again, if we get that one thing, something is going to happen. Something is going to happen. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are in one, as you are in me, and I, the Father, I am in you, Father. I love that. 
This was kind of Jesus speak for, you know what, that I am a father and I'm going to do what he wants us to do. I'm going to do what he wants me to do. You see, people would come to Jesus and they would say, hey, what are you doing, Jesus? And, and Jesus would respond, you know what, I'm doing just what God is telling me to do. I'm doing the will of my father. I'm doing what my father wants me to do. And I'm not doing any, anything sideways energy. I don't have my own agendas. I, I'm not building silos here. I am doing one thing, and that is what God wants me to do. I am on one mission. I have one agenda, not many agendas. And I'm not doing sideways energy. I'm doing what he wants me to do, that we are on one mission together. And what was that mission? Well, Luke 19.10 tells us it's to seek and to save those who are lost. That is Jesus' mission. That is what God sent Jesus on earth to do. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that if, if anyone who believes, they can have eternal life. That is what his goal is to reach people. Because Jesus believed, and so do we, that everybody lives forever Somewhere that every number has a name, every name has a story, and every story matters to God. Look what he says, verse 21. And they may, and may they, look, I love this, and may they be in us. He's praying for this oneness. Look at this. Here's the, here's the result. So that the world will what? Believe that you sent me. You want to know how the world is going to believe? If the church act is one. And that's our big idea today. We can accomplish a lot when we are one. We can accomplish a lot when you and I act as one. And here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, Heavenly Father, I pray for those who believe because of the people in this room. I pray, Lord, they're going to write some stuff down. They're going to influence people, these 11. And eventually, thousands, millions are going to come to know me. And how they're going to come to know me, God, is when they see that we are one, that they are acting as one. You see, when unbelieving people see the oneness of the church, and not just this church, but all churches, as a result of their oneness on one mission, on one vision, on one goal, then they're, they're going to they're gonna believe, not by being coerced or being pushed, not by somebody holding up a sign and saying, you're going to hell. No. That they will believe because of their oneness. People will simply see and experience this oneness, and they will believe. And basically, if we as a church and the church gets this right, people will believe. When a local church and a group of individuals and believers will get this one thing right and keep it centered around one person, and that is Jesus Christ, people will begin to believe things they've never believed before. They will be intrigued more than they've ever been intrigued before. And they will start reading their Bibles when they've never read their Bibles, and even though they may have had a bad experience of religion or church growing up, that they will believe that Jesus was sent because of our actions and that we're one. Now, here's what's interesting. The inverse of that is true as well. People will not believe if we do not act as one. In fact, some of you, that's part of your story. You know, that if we get this wrong, we become the very reason why people don't believe. 
Some of you bounced out of church or bounced out of religion because of the way Christians acted. And the reason why some of you, you're showing up this Easter Sunday and you're just this like, I, you know, I normally don't go to church. The reason why you're not a church person is because you've hung out with church people, right? I mean, the reason why you don't go to church, we, we, one of the things we talk about here at one church is unchurched and dechurched. Unchurched, never been to church before. That's not that many of us. But dechurched, people who've been to church and say, I ain't going back to that place. That, that was me. And I'm sure that was you. And the reason why many of you, you don't go to church is because you hung out with church people. The reason why you don't read the Bible is because you've met some people who read the Bible and they're just mean and angry. I always seem to yell, right? And you're like, you start thinking, well, no, maybe they're mean because they read the Bible, so I'm not going to read the Bible, right? I mean, you don't like being around people you don't like being around Christians. You don't want to become a Christian because you've been around Christians. In other words, when the church doesn't get this right, when, when people come together in the name of Jesus and all they do is argue and bicker and be divisive, all they do is complain and gritch, they turn people away from the living God. That the church, all churches, we have to act as one. And i got to be honest, this is a story of my childhood. You know, I grew up in church. And it was all about just a club or a denomination. And if you weren't part of this denomination, then they weren't going to do this. And, man, I remember when I was about 16, I started touring with this Christian tour group. And um, I got to see people who weren't just of my denomination, but I saw Assemblies of God, Methodist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Baptist, um, Episcopalian, National Baptist, Southern Baptist, Primitive Baptist. I don't know what Primitive Baptist looks like. I don't know if they have clubs. and uh, I don't know. Um, but... I, was, I, I got to see all of these different denominations. By the way, I'm going to get an email from that one. I can already feel it. Um, but I got to see the whole church. And you know what I experienced? Wow. We're all very, um, we're very different. But we all serve one God who, who saved us. And what's so cool about this? I remember coming back and, hey, I'd like to do this again. And my local church said, well, no, because they're not of our denomination, we can't do that. Man, that just made me mad. I'm just like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I don't. You see, when Christians, when we get this wrong, we become the very reason why people don't believe. But let me tell you, when we get it right, come on now. There's nothing as attractive as a church that loves God and that loves people. Man, I tell you, you want to know why people don't go to church? It's not because they don't know what church is. It's because they've been to church. And let me tell you, what's so cool about this is you guys do this right here at One Church. Because every Sunday month, every Sunday morning, we have new people that show up. And they're like, they show up and they got one foot on the brake and they got a parachute behind them. And they're like, and, and their wife has nagged them to come, right? Not just even bugged, nagged, right? And, and you're like, woman? I'm going to show up on Easter, but if they do anything funky, I'm gone, right? In fact, some of you, you parked really close to the sidewalk because you're like, if they start doing some freaky stuff, I'm hasta lasagna, all right? Don't get any on you. I'm not, I mean, and you showed up and you're like, this is church? They're not doing anything weirder than what I did on Friday night, right? I mean, I mean, they're kind of, seem kind of normal. Well, some of us are, right? Just telling you, let me tell you, 
When churches get this right, and I'm so, I'm so honored to be a part of you and that we do this together because you guys, you do this right. Now, here, look, here's what I don't have a lot of time. I want to fast forward because 30 years later after Jesus, he's dead, he's buried, he's resurrected. It's what we're celebrating today. 40 days later, he goes, and he goes up into heaven. And what we see is we see this guy, his name is Paul. He meets Jesus. His life has changed, and he starts planting churches everywhere, right? He starts planting churches in Ephesus and Philippi, places like Thessalonica and Athens and Rome and Spain and all of these different places, right? And then he starts writing letters to these different churches. And to the church at Philippi, he writes a letter called Philippians. And the church of Ephesus, he writes a letter called Ephesians. And that's where we're going to fast forward today. Because in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is going to unpack this oneness that Jesus talked about. Really, really cool. He says this, verse 3. Make every effort. Stop right there. When, you, when he says make every effort, is this, should this be low on our priority list or high? Yes, sir. High. That means whatever you do, get this right. Get this right. Make every effort to keep yourselves what? United. That's that oneness we're talking about. To keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is what? One body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. Keep on going. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. Paul, what do you think? He's repeating some stuff, ain't he? What do you think his big idea is here? Easier. One. 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 He's saying the same thing that Jesus said on the night before he was killed. You got to get this right, church. You got to be one. Make every effort. Make every effort to stay on mission. Make every effort to stay on target. Make every effort not to create silos or sideways energy. Don't bicker. Don't complain. Don't argue. Make every effort to be one. And look at this next word. It's a contrast. It says this, but. All right? So he says, you need to be one, but. Let's keep on going. But. Some of your church, uh, translation says, however, but he, talking about Jesus, has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. And what he's saying, he's making this contrast here, that even though we have this one vision, one alignment, one purpose, all of us are different. And that he gives, get this, every one of us special gifts. That means what you're passionate about, I'm not passionate about. Oh, and what I'm passionate about, you may not be passionate about. And things that I hate doing, you love doing. And things you love doing, I hate doing. And that you would do the things that I would hate, and I would hate the, the things that, you know what I mean. Right? That it takes all of us, all of us working together. I love this. All of us working together. And then he talks about, in verse 11, all of these different gifts. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave the church. And this is just a small list. He gives a larger list in three or four other different places in the Scripture. The apostles, those are the 11 people who kind of started this whole thing. The prophets. Now, what a prophet is, is somebody who sees right and wrong. It's black and white. You know people like that? All right, some of y'all married to people like that. All right, all right. So I mean, it's I mean, there's not a lot of gray area there. The evangelists; these are people who just love telling people about Jesus. And some of you, I mean, you could be talking about sports. Give you 30 seconds, Jesus is going to show up in your conversation. And 
pastors, that's something that I do. And teachers, these are people who, who take God's truths and explain it so that everybody can understand. Look at this. He gave those four gifts, and there's many more other gifts listed in the Bible. There's the gift of giving, the gift of leadership, the gift of serving behind the scenes, the gift of administration. You see, he gives all of these different gifts for one purpose. All right, here's the point. Their responsibility is to do what? Equip God's people to do not their work, his work, and build up the church. Now, this is cool. The church is the body of Christ. I just want to pause here. Do you know that what Paul is saying here is that when the church, that when people are part of a church, that is the closest that they're going to get to Jesus Christ being physically here. Because you remember, when Paul wrote this, Jesus is now in heaven. And what Paul is saying is when the church, when they are acting like they should act, when they are focusing on that one, Jesus, when they're focusing and they have one mission and one vision and they're all aligned and they're all rowing together, that when, I, when, when somebody is around a church like that, it's the closest they're going to get to actual being in the presence of Jesus Christ. I love that. The closest that anyone can get to Jesus is when they show up and are involved in a church. And again, this is where some of you, this is where you would describe your story. This is what Kevin and Sabrina and other people, that you came here with both feet on the brakes and you're going, I'm not going to do this. I really don't know anybody. But you showed up and your guard started to slip and you met somebody. You met somebody, and that somebody kind of directed you around. And it, it, this happened in, in Jesus' presence all the time. I mean, think about this. In John chapter 4, if you know this, I mean, there's this woman at the well who had this really bad reputation. And, and she's there at this well, and Jesus shows up, and, 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 start, and Jesus starts interacting with this woman because Jesus don't care what your past is. I love this. And, 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 and this woman is like, oh, my gosh. And she goes back into town. And she goes to all the men. You want to know why? So basically, anybody she knew was the men. Give you a little bit about her reputation. And she shows up, and she tells the men, hey, you got to come see a guy who's told me everything about me. And all the men are in town going, girl, everybody knows everything about you. No, no, it's not like that. Just come and see. Come and see him. And they did. And you know what happened? That town got to know Jesus Christ. It's what happens every day here at One Church. Somebody chooses to invite somebody to church. And that somebody who got invited walks through the front doors, and they're, they kind of have their guard up, and another somebody reaches out their hand, hey, welcome to One Church. And they bring little somebody's tagging along, and they go to the children's check-in, and somebody actually you know, helps the little somebody's get to their class, and the little somebody sit down, and another somebody uh, puts them on their lap, and they rock them, or another somebody you know, says, hey, this is what we're going to learn about the Bible today. And another somebody, uh, you know, they take the middle schooler on Wednesday nights, and they get into a small group, and a, an adult somebody hangs out with a middle school somebody, and an adult somebody hangs out with a high school somebody, and then the adult somebody show up in here who've never been to one church, never maybe even been to church. And then they see somebody on stage singing, somebody on stage playing guitar, while somebody's running the lights and sound, and that somebody meets the somebody that changes their life. And it all starts with somebody. That's your story. That's my story. 
Let's skip to the end and let's go to verse 16. I love this. Verse 16. He makes the whole body, the body of Jesus, the church, fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. That means none of us have the same responsibilities. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You see, when the church focuses is on mission, they've got no sideways energy. They're focusing on Jesus, and it's about, and it's full of love. Let me tell you, people want to be a part of that, don't they? They, they, I mean, they are so intrigued. that so many different people with different backgrounds can show up and be so like-minded. But let me tell you, the exact opposite is just the case. That we, and if the church, if we get this wrong, you and I will be the very reason why people walk away from a God that loves them. Now, here's the thing. I believe that the church is for every, everybody and should be for everybody. I totally believe that. And I believe that when each part does its part, everybody can become a part. I really do believe this, that all of us have a part here in the body of Jesus Christ because somebody, we're all just somebodies. And we need you to be somebody in the body today. So that's the reason why we are moving towards bold. Now let me explain to you. Some of you have heard this. Some of you have haven't. But let me kind of share with you the direction that we're going as a church. Because bold, it isn't just a teaching series. It really is our next steps as a church. That if we are going to continue to become a church that unchurched people want to show up to, we're going to have to continue to do what we were doing and what we started doing back in 2007. So our first bold move is that we are going to move towards getting a permanent facility. Let me tell you, we've been portable for seven, eight years now. And we've set up, tore down, set up, tore down, set up, tore down. And I'll tell you, our people, we we have the best volunteers in the world, in my opinion. I mean, we show up, and some get here at 5 o'clock, and they set up. And some of you, I see some people in the room, uh, a friend like Tom, Tom Cotton. I see other people, Josh over in the back. You just show up, and and you didn't care what time it is in the morning. You just do it, because you know God is going to meet with somebody here today. Let me tell you, we can continue to keep on being portable for the rest of our lives. But we want to do some things, not just on Sunday morning, that you know what, we just can't do because, crazy enough, actually a school uses this during the week. I don't know, it's crazy, I don't know. We, want to, we, we need to go to a more permanent facility so that our student ministry that meets on Wednesday nights, our student ministry can continue to grow. Uh, one of the things that Dave and Cheryl have told me, we've had 144 students there that shows up pretty much week after week, middle school and high school, we've had to split those up because we don't have enough room. We're getting out of room now, and if the fire marshal shows up, they're closing us down. We have to find a permanent facility where we can stop, we can stop trying to put a size 13 foot and a size 8 shoe. Ladies, you have tried doing that, but they look beautiful. They feel awful. Right? Imagine 140 teenagers in a very small room and the heat and the air conditioning isn't working that great because you got 140 teenagers in there. Imagine the smells wafting. That's what I'm saying. Right? So we, we, this is our next step. 
we want to be able to do this. And I'll tell you, as you leave today, you're going to be getting a bold packet. And I'm going to ask everybody, to each family, to take one. But one of the things that you're going to see today in this brochure right here is you're going to see all of what this building is going to look like. Um, we're being very frugal. It is going to be a metal building, except for one co corner, it is all metal. You'll be able to see the square footage. Let me tell you, we're not in this to build big buildings. Some of you like big buildings, and you cannot lie. I'm not one of those, right? All right? I may start dancing here in a minute. I'm just, no, I'm going, oh, stop. Bad, bad, bad pastor. Anyway, but one of the things that you're going to see is that the auditorium that we're building is actually smaller than the one that you're sitting in right now. And let me tell you the reason why. Because we're not in this to build big buildings. We're just not. You see, we want to create a space where people during the week can come and be able to meet with Jesus. We can do that here on Sunday mornings, but we want to create other environments where we can do that. Where unchurched people can come to meet God. And let me tell you, the reason why we're not building six flags over Jesus, all right? Some of you, you've been a part of, of churches that are six flags over Jesus, haven't you? The reason why this ain't Six Flags Over Jesus is because we don't want a huge, large campus here because our second bold move is this. We want to launch another church here in Clarksville so that unchurched people can show up and realize that God loves them. Here's, here's the reality. We're at exit one. People at exit 11, exit 19, exit 86, they're probably not going to drive to exit one. Probably. So you know what? One of the things we want to do is we want to figure out where more unchurched people are hanging out and we want to start a church there we want to launch a church there why because remember those statistics the 88 percent we're losing ground we're not gaining ground and we're still growing but this isn't about one church this is about the mission the one mission that jesus has called us to and it was his mission to seek and to save those who are lost so our second bold move is we are going to launch another campus. Now, that's where we're going. You're going to get all of this in this packet today. But let me tell you, as we close, I want to challenge you to do four things. As we move through these next five weeks together, I'm going to ask you to do four things more boldly than you've ever done them before. And the first one is this. I want you to pray more boldly than you've ever prayed before. Where we've gotten this concept of bold is a book by Mark Batterson entitled The Circle Maker. In fact, we have it out on our resource table. You can check that out. He has a quote in there that says, bold prayers honor God and God honors bold prayers. That God isn't offended when we ask the impossible. He's offended when we, when we ask of anything else. You see, if we can do it ourselves, then we don't need God. And let me tell you, God, is in that God, he, he, we're dreaming bold dreams. We're praying bold prayers. So here's what I'm going to encourage you guys to do. That in this packet, there is a devotional guide. And we're asking you over the next 40 days to just have a devotional. This is your quiet time. This is what you're digging into. All right? So when you're on day five, all right, day five, you're able to get into, okay, that's on Daniel chapter six. And then you would read this. And there's even a prayer that you can pray. We're giving these out for free. And by the way, if you've not gotten them via email, I'm sending them out that way. We'd love to get your email address. You can go by guest services and give us your information. But this is one way we're asking you to pray bold prayers. The second one is this, is we're giving out these bracelets. And they're Acts 429 bracelets. And basically, we're asking you at 429 every afternoon to stop what you're doing and pray. And to pray boldly for your family. 
Pray that God would give you courage and to make you bold and to pray that one church will continue, God would continue to use one church in a bold way. So again, you can pick these up for free out the resource table. All right? So I'm asking you to pray boldly. What bold prayers are you, gonna, are you willing to ask God for? Second one is this. I'm going to ask you to invite more boldly than you've ever invited before. You see, what we need you to do is to be a somebody, to be a somebody that invites somebody to church. Because 88% of people in, in Clarksville don't go to church anywhere. Invite them. I promise you if you invite them, we will make it fun. We will. And I promise you they... They won't, they won't hear about a club or this or that. They're going to hear about Jesus Christ. They're going to hear about the Bible. Third, uh, by the way, on, on that second one, on the invite more boldly, I'm also going to ask you over the next four weeks, now five weeks, ending on May 3rd, that you would be here every Sunday if you would. Make every effort to be here every Sunday so that you can walk through this spiritual journey with us. And that's what it's going to be, a journey. Spiritual journey. So, and if, and if you can't be here, do it online, all right? You can go to onechurch.tv. Third, I'm asking you to launch more boldly. And what I'm asking you to do is simply to be, uh, to be somebody to, that's part of this body. That you, when each part does its part, that everyone can become a part. I'm asking you to be a part of this body. And that means some of you, you're going to be launching into some new areas. You're going to be launching into some new ministries. And you're going to be like Katie, who baptized Sabrina, who just two years ago herself was baptized. God can use you to do that. He can. But that means you're going to have to get outside of your comfort zone and get, you're going to have to get launched. And then fourth, I'm asking you to give more boldly than you ever have before. You see, in order for us to go towards these two bold moves of getting a permanent facility and to launching another campus... Our goal over the next two years, over and above our regular tithes and offerings, is $750,000. And let me tell you what that goal is going to do. That $750,000 goal is going to get us to the spot where we can start moving some dirt so that we can take steps to get a permanent facility on our land right here at Exit 1 by Sonic. So that's what I'm asking you guys to do. And by the way, I mean, th th these two things, uh, we're not asking you to give yet. I mean, notice the offering's been done. All right? This isn't twist your arm. And some of you, you're like, okay, I've not been to church before and he's asking for money. Hey, I, we don't want you to give. Give your heart to Jesus. The rest of y'all. Some of you gave your heart to Jesus a long time ago. He just hadn't got a hold of your checkbook yet. Seriously. You know what Jesus said? Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So um, I'm not asking you to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself. And I'll tell you, my wife and I, we're already, we're having these conversations. Okay, if, if I give up this and if we give up this, then you know what? We can give over and above what we're normally given so that we can do more bold things that God wants us to do. And I'm going to share with you how we're processing through that. I'm not going to ask you guys to do that. But let me tell you, all this starts we're, on May the 3rd. We are going to do a special offering. We're going to do a regular offering, and at the end, we're going to do another offering that's going to kick off bold, and that's when the two-year commitment's going to start. So I'm going to ask you, just process through that. Now, here's the thing as I close. I want you to do those four things. I want you to do those four things. Pray, invite, launch, and give. And when you leave here, when you grab that packet, I just want you to pray, and I want you to ask God this, God, 
what would it look like if I became more bold in my faith? What would that look like? What, what things would I start doing that I'm not doing now if I became more bold? And you know what? As you leave, bold.church, remember that. That's our website. You can be able to get on there and you can invite people. You can pray, all that stuff. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray, and then Patrick's going to come out, and we got two things, and then you guys are done. Guys, you, are, you guys look great. It's been a great Easter. Have y'all had a great time this morning? Hey, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for the band and worship. Man, I just love worshiping Jesus Christ. And let's do that now. Dear Father, we love you. And I thank you, God, Lord, that you sent your son Jesus so that we can have a relationship with you, God. Lord, that none of us in here are perfect. Lord, all of our stuff stinks in here. But Lord, you took all of that stuff and you put it on your son, Jesus, on the cross. And Lord, and three days later, he rose again. And Lord, because he was bold on Easter, boldly coming out of that grave, Lord, today, we can boldly approach your throne and we can do so with confidence. So God, I pray that we as a church, that we would continue to be bold, that we would continue to create churches where unchurched people love to attend, Lord. And Lord, that you would keep us one, that you would keep us so focused on your mission, God. Lord, that we would not be sidetracked with anything else. For it's in Jesus' great big name that we pray. Amen.